Melons, and welcome back to When Life Gives You Melons, a podcast for the dyslexic community. I'm Drew. And I'm Reed. Thanks for showing up again on yet another adventure in this jungle <laughs> of disorders. Let's get straight to our topic of today. Drew, what are we diving into? We are going to be talking about the other face of dyslexia, the strengths. There's only about 3% of the population who can actually see the strengths dyslexia has and the benefits it provides. Most people can only perceive dyslexia as a disadvantage. How entirely narrow-minded, in my opinion. To better support our community of melons, we need to help society and ourselves become better aware of the strengths that we as dyslexics have just from the way that we think and process information. It's even hard for dyslexics to recognize the strengths in themselves sometimes. This can come from the lack of self-esteem that comes with dyslexia, the stigma of being different or broken. And even when other people like your parents or your teachers can see the strengths that you might have, they tend to focus on the struggles you're having in an attempt to better you, but it can just reinforce that negativity of not being able to live up to expectations versus focusing on the strengths that they have, which will bring more self-esteem and better productivity. Yeah, beautiful. Now we're going to get into the strengths of dyslexia. Take a note that every person with dyslexia is different. They may be very creative with art or good at sports or their ability to manage a group of people and bring them together for a cause, or in their interpersonal communications. For example, one dyslexic may have really bad spatial awareness and not be very coordinated at sports, but might have the ability to speak in such a manner to invoke emotion and to to be a leader. So our dyslexic strengths that we're going to talk about here are, I don't even know how to say this part, like how to bring it in. Dyslexic strengths aren't uh, aren't across the board. We know that it is something that it varies. It's a spectrum. It varies because it's a spectrum, and it also varies from our environment that we grow up in and how we're taught to handle things or look at things as well. So we do take these things in mind, and the reasons why we're going to go over the strengths of dyslexia is to not say that we're superhuman and we're geniuses and these are things that we can do that no one else can do because that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that these are things that we are good at and that focusing on these positive aspects will brighten any dyslexic child's world and I feel like will help society in the end. So with that little blurb said and out of the way, our dyslexic strengths that we'll be going over are good problem solving, creative, observant, high levels of empathy, big picture thinkers, good at making connections, strong narrative reasoning, and we'll also dive into a little bit more of the reasoning side, and three-dimensional thinking. And we do know that all of these different strengths, they, they intertwine. For example, problem solving needs imagination, creativity, the ability to uh, be observant, and, and reasoning skills to implement your problem solving. So we they should all work together, if that makes sense. 
Now we're going to define the strengths a little bit more. First one is good problem solving or out of the box thinking. So from the very like at a very base level, we can think about this uh, in, in, in this way. How do you navigate the world as a non-reader? You do things, creative thinking and problem solving, like uh, either asking the person next to you what something says. Oh, yeah. Or in nowadays, it would be using OK Google for spelling. Yeah, I definitely use OK Google as a spell check or any talk to text, like um, even my notepad on my phone that does talk to text. I'll use that. And it's how I do my spell checking for myself. Makes me feel independent. Nice. You know, don't gonna ask anybody mm-hmm. else for help. Yeah, or like using Grammarly is another uh, a good example of that, and that's that's a, a way of problem solving that a lot of people do. But dyslexics have to do it kind of like right off the bat because we know that we don't have that uh, mm-hmm. spelling ability. <laughs> no, when talk to text came out, when talk to text came out, yeah, that was awesome. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Our next bullet point after uh, getting around problems like that is the ability to bring together information and understand connections from multiple resources, which... Um, Actually, I've been having that very experience writing my mage podcast that I'm doing with my husband. My husband and I are both big nerds. I am uh, creating a podcast on it that will hopefully be coming out in the next couple of months here. There is so much information in the game of mage, and I'm trying to get all the information, bring it in, and get it down into a understandable podcast. And I've really been utilizing these skills to accomplish that. I can feel it. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's that, yeah, ability, exactly like like building this podcast, I guess, is, is kind of that where there's a lot of these different moving parts and the ability to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ability to stand back and kind of like take it all in and understand what moving part needs to move for the next part to be able to move. So that's actually, uh, that's, ah, ha, ha, cool. I just, sorry, I just, I just had that a little, little mild epiphany right mm-hmm. there. Okay, uh, so another way that dyslexics do problem solving, and this might be the part of the out of the box is because it's not very conventional, is that a lot of times if you are a dyslexic and you're you're given a problem to solve, you will do this thing where you kind of glaze over. What happens is uh, you kind of let your brain slide into neutral and ease itself around a problem to let connections assemble. Like if you unfocus from something, you can kind of see the connection points, but Mm -hmm. you get labeled as a daydreamer because it, it looks like you're just staring out the window, but it's actually, it actually is a thing that you're doing where you're turning your brain into neutral to, to get around a problem. I know we were talking about, actually, and it, it, it's done, I mean, obviously it's not done as a conscious, I'm going to daydream and just slide into neutral and... No, I don't, it's not conscious at all. I, I but I know exactly what you're talking about, because like, I'll be sitting there and I'm in neutral and I'm kind of like mulling, but not mulling and like, it's almost like a, day, I, it is, it's not a focused daydream anyways and then all of a sudden like the epiphany hits and it's like and you really do feel like a light bulb sometimes goes over your head because just like and then you 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 bounce out of that reverie you just were in yeah no i've had that experience did you just call it a focused daydream 
I said it's not exactly a focused daydream because you're kind of just like floating. I actually think that that's a good, no, I think that's yeah. a good word for it. It's yeah. a focused daydream. No, it exactly is. It feels exactly like that for me. And I, it's not something that I do on purpose. It is something that I can notice that I'm doing. All of a sudden I'm like, why am I not present? But uh, yeah, it is, I guess, a way that we. No, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, that we've been, we've known for it. So uh, good examples of people that are outside of the box thinkers or problem solvers in the, in these different ways would be people like Albert Einstein and Leonardo da Vinci, which I mean, that one, I kind of wonder if Leonardo da Vinci was dyslexic only because we didn't have a test for it back then. So that's like speculation. No, I was thinking that actually no. myself, but like there are, um, I start getting a little side-eyed when we get to things like that. Yeah. He does p- portray a lot of the traits, um, very creative, yeah. um, thinking outside the box, but yeah, there were no actual tests for it and dyslexics yeah. don't have a, um, monopoly on creative thinking we're we're just good at it we don't have a monopoly on it yeah we don't have a monopoly on any of these things or even reading disorders dyslexia has its own type of a reading disorder there's other ones anyways ah what's our next one drew what are we talking about next it's the strength of creativity creativity can mean many things many 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 things it can range from being an artist to musician to being a talented sports person, people, ladies and men, yeah, to being a leader or an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, entre- oh, good God, or an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, <laughs> or an entrepreneur, I'm a, what a, or running a business. The director, Steven Spielberg, He's dyslexic. There's a form of creativity. The author, Agatha Christie, which I know you loved when you found that out. She's dyslexic. Oh, I mm-hmm. love her. Um, I love Agatha Christie. Uh, I actually knew that one because, um, just interesting, they have, um, she has a journal, or I don't know if it's a journal exactly, um, but where she would write her notes, uh, uh-huh. the books that she wrote, and she would write some of her notes in pictures. Um, I mean, she had, she had writing in there, too. We're actually she... going to get into that. Things in um, pictures, yeah. man, because I did that, too. Anyways, um, Richard Branson, the CEO of uh, Virgin and other things, he does a ton of stuff. He, like, loves the fact that he's dyslexic. He touts it all the time. And then I'm going to leave you with this one as well, because this is a good version of someone being creative in a different way. General George Patton, my my military family. I did not know that one. <laughs> Uh, was a dyslexic. Definitely need creative thinking for that, right? All very highly creative in their own rights. All of these people. So creativity can meet a multitude of things. After creativity uh, is big picture thinker. This strength helps us see patterns and trends in data. People with dyslexia can use their ability to see those patterns and trends to see how things connect to form complex systems. And we can see similarities between the data. So the strength is significant for the field of science and mathematics where pictures and being able to see things like that is key. Nine out of 10 dyslexics describe their thinking as seeing past details to gain like the strategic air quote big picture view of a problem or 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 subject we're getting past 
the info that's coming in to try to see the the overall picture, uh, the overall trend that's happening, which is cool. That's very cool. Uh, something that yeah, something that leads into big picture thinking would or be our next one, which is being observant. Um, this actually, so it's for problem solving, but dyslexics are also highly observant because of the social aspect of how we work as well. Um, they don't know if this is something to do with how our process is going. If you listen to our last episode on the brain, you would know that we are processing on the right side of our brain and it's taking a little bit longer of a way of going around. Um, and with that different way of processing, we could... We also... Um... Sorry, just with that different way of processing, we could be seeing uh, kind of the ability to have more of a observant kind of like questioning where you like fit into things uh personality type to me that way of thinking kind of makes sense when you think about that we think in um we remember and think and decode in pictures so when we're taking in a um a scene we're really taking it in visually and making kind of those emotional and mental notes of what's going on and what's there and that's how we encode our world so kind of makes sense to me it it totally does uh people with dyslexia excel at finding the odd one out of uh, enormous quantity of data so for example that would be kind of like your ability to know to have a feeling that something is out of place to have done your job enough to know just intuitively that something's out of place there's a specific dyslexic scientist christopher tonkin who attributes his dyslexia to to that ability to do that in his job with that um you know the test where you have to find a nine out of the sea of sixes or the test where you have to figure out what the next pattern is or or figuring out what the missing pattern is dyslexics normally score higher on those tests overall and those uh like just for example i score really high on those tests and that's part of like your iq test is the ability to um understand what the next pattern in a sequence is uh and we just kind of like intuitively know what's coming next i guess and i know that there's some like some sort of processing happening there but i can't tell you what's actually happening in my brain while it's happening i just know what is supposed to happen if that makes sense it's just automatically pulls up and you know you're like pattern 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 so logically next thing and that's what it what it should be yeah and I, they don't necessarily know why that's happening but we tend to score higher on those tests so Just, yeah is overall. that why that is that why we're good at puzzles and board games as well uh i would say it all coincides so i would say yes a fun fact with this part of the observant area is uh so the british intelligence agency specifically uses dyslexics to analyze complex information in a, get this, air quote, dispassionate, logical, and analytical way to combat threats of foreign espionage. Ooh. Ooh. I just, I had to throw that in there. I read it. I was all like, that's awesome. There we go. Um, so, well. Lean into our strengths. Exactly. While many of us struggle with reading and writing, we're often extremely skilled at deciphering facts from patterns or events just so you know our next one is high levels of empathy again this is a area where we don't know if this is nurture or nature here um we do grow up in a very 
understanding that we are different from everyone else and having to deal with people coping with that around us as well as us having to deal with that, which is, I don't think people realize that as far as you know that you're different and you grow up always feeling that way. So this high level of empathy could come from this different way of growing up and being able to recognize struggle and to see struggle in other people, or it could come from this different processing pathway where whether heightened emotion is a result of the brain being wired differently or because of childhood traumas that define you. Well, yeah. And I, I have to say, I always will go with, well, almost always go with a little bit of column A, little bit of column B. So it would be logical that we would see somebody in a situation and we have an image that we connect with that situation that we've been in. We will connect with that person's plight. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And that what you're talking about right there with the heightened emotion and being able to do that, that also leads into our like our next one. We're getting to the end here, guys. But our next one is narrative reasoning. And it is uh It is that. Narrative reasoning uses memory from experiences. It's also called episodic memory. So dyslexic individuals have a greater ability to learn through experiences and recalling information. And we recall information with more efficiency. And by doing this, we don't actually have to necessarily have experienced it. But if we can imagine that we experienced it, we're able to have a narrative reasoning about something so for thinking about a situation before we go into it we actually are pretending to experience it through a narrative i do experience through the narrative yeah you do experience through a narrative Uh, well it's just to to add to it is basically by using the right hemisphere of the brain to process text dyslexics learn and interpret written language like pictures primarily using their strong spatial and visual capabilities instead of left brain processing yeah. Uh, I would actually say, so we have reasoning, well, narrative reasoning here. So we're going to um, go into a little bit more of the reasoning side of it, just because there is a little, there's a, been more studies on just general reasoning than there has been on specific types of reasoning, right? So let's let's look at this reasoning area really quick, and then we will go into our last, um, our last little thingy here, and then I have two add-ons afterwards. Y'all are in for a treat. All right. So now let's talk about general reasoning skills. Understanding patterns, evaluating possibilities, and making decisions. 84% of dyslexics are above average in reasoning. And this does go back to, again, those tests. Because if you're dyslexic, guess what? You're getting tested basically every three years to be re-evaled to get the help that you need in school. And on these tests, this is what it's showing us is that we are 84% have an above average reasoning ability. So with reasoning would be the ability to simplify, uh, to understand and take apart or not to use the word to define itself, to simplify a complex idea or concept. We have the, this knack of being able to make these things easier for us to understand. Another part of reasoning is analyzing so being able to use logic to decide on the strengths of a certain um, problem or argument and where the truth actually lies interpreting patterns is also a part of reasoning being able to see the pattern in a situation to predict uh, future events to make a a long-term decision to be able to see down the road and then um, 
Actually, I was going to want to add something to that real quick. Because listening to this, on this is something I've been thinking about. And we, as you just said, have a good, um, we're good at long-term planning and a long-term vision. And that coincides right up to the fact that we can see patterns in what's coming up. We can see the pattern which allows us to make that long-term plan or to see that long-term future because we can see the pattern in which we need to make a decision to either overcome, work with, work around. Yeah, exactly. The fact that we can envision things, basically. We can see details and gain strategic thinking by seeing things via a picture. Actually, so I do have one other thing to say on reasoning before we jump off to our, our last one, which is going to be three-dimensional thinking and making connections that way, which is interesting. It also has to do with pictures. But so the last thing I'll leave you with is, you know the, the term uh, forest for the trees? You can't see the forest for the trees because you're focused too much on the detail that you can't see that it's a forest, right? Dyslexics are kind of the opposite. We don't focus on the individual mm-hmm. trees. We look at the forest. The whole forest. The whole forest. So let's slide into our last one here, which is three-dimensional thinking, which I thought was really... I thought this one was interesting. Um, it's shown that a lot of dyslexics are really good at uh, taking in like things as multisensory. So like we're, when we look at something, when we think about something, we're thinking about it in a very like uh, tangible context. Um, and a lot of the times we're able to see things in three dimensions in our mind and we're able to manipulate those things and kind of think about how it would work in a different way. So a really good example of this is our sister Kyle and the fact that she's able to make a pattern for clothes out of nothing. And like, not just like a regular pattern, like she can like, she can make anything with nothing, which is amazing to me. She like, she envisions it. She envisions it. She might have a shirt that she lays down, looks at it and is like, okay. Yeah. And then she looks back and forth, and then she just takes the fabric, and she, so she takes that fabric, and she makes a shirt out of it without anything. Yeah, a pattern to and cut it does, out of. It never it's comes amazing. out weird. Yeah, it's um, always it always looks good. She also can put together. She can also put together um, uh, stuff without using a uh, the manual. She doesn't need the manual. Yeah, she can, she can have all the stuff sitting in front of her, and she can see how it gets put together, and she'll put it together. Got anything from IKEA? Just fine. Get my sister Kyle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Three-dimensional thinking would be used a lot for people that are um, architects or, yeah, uh, a lot of fashion designers are also, that's like a good thing for, Mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of architects and fashion designers are dyslexic. And I think it has to do with that ability. I don't necessarily feel like I might, like, I don't know if I feel like I have that ability, but Kyle sure as hell does. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like I do, too. Sometimes I surprise myself, but there are times, like, I can't figure out how to do something, and I know I should be able to. So, um... Yeah. And you're just all like, oh, you dumb brain. uh Just flip it around, but you can't, because you get, like, logged. And then Josh will Uh, come in and help you, like, oh, like, oh, well... yeah. I know what I'm doing. Whatever. Yeah. I almost had it. Actually, so I know I said that that was our last one, but I have two add-ons. I have two fun ones. I have two that I think I think are really interesting. That one is controversial, and the other one is a question of nature and nurture again. So the first one, which is our question of nature and nurture, is the the label of being an odd or genuine person. A lot of the times, dyslexics tend to have a very, very much 
are their personality. They're very sincere in how they present themselves. If they are if they are shy, they're going to present themselves that way. And if they are boisterous, they're going to present themselves that way. Again, we don't necessarily know if this is in nature or nurture, if this has to do with the way that our brain is processing and how we view ourselves in the world, or based off of the fact that from a very young age, we realize that we can't hide our biggest flaw. The biggest flaw that you have, you cannot hide. Everyone else can hide their flaws. Guess what? You can't hide your flaw. Mm-mm. Nope. I can agree to that. That there, There's... There is a point in which I know I feel I can't hide my dyslexia, so I can't hide myself, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, so it's like, this is who I am, and that can either the other thing, be... Like, shoot, I was going to say something about that that you were just saying, too. It's okay. Go for it. Oh, that is, um, I've gotten that compliment so much in my life, or at least I've always thought of it as a compliment until I've been doing more of this research or... Um, learning from the research that my sister Reed has been um, doing beautiful a beautiful job of and that is thanks <laughs> welcome it, that is that I got the compliment of no matter what situation you're in you're always you I've gotten it so I've gotten it at least four times in my life from four different people that they know I am me that I'm genuine because I'm always me no matter who I'm with or what situation I'm in. And I'm Genuinely like, oh, thank you. you. That makes mm-hmm. me feel really good. And I'm like, oh, that might be a character trait, which yeah, I actually, I mean, of my, of, of dyslexia, which I'm cool with. You know, I, I would like to think that it's a character trait and that I'm not just like a, a weirdo because I'm a super weirdo. Like, I would like it to be where everyone else like me is a weirdo too, you know? Like, I don't want to be the only weirdo. You're not. But that is, that is, I have been told that multiple times as well, just like you, that uh, you're constantly you, that you're constantly you no matter what. And, I mean, for Christ's sake, my yearbooks, I am most unique. Literally, that's the label. I am most unique year after year in it. And that was out of a school of dyslexics, though. So am I the most unique dyslexic? Mm, well, there is a nature versus nurture part. I mean, I don't know. I think our parents leaned into a bit of their weirdness, especially in the home, which I mean, weirdness in the best term possible, which allowed us to be weird, too. Yeah. So, I mean, especially if both of our parents have dyslexia, they get to be weird together. So we got to be weird in the home and whatever. No, learning to dance. Yeah, learning to dance in the store aisles and having a funny sense of humor. Uh, and then the, our last add-on, and this is the exact, this is, I, I'm not lying to you guys, this is the last one, <laughs> um, is vision. Our vision. And I know that everyone is going to come after me mildly, and I hope, well, I hope people come after me and say dyslexia isn't an issue with vision. Dyslexia isn't an issue with vision. Because it's not. It's not. There is no issue with your vision. But it has been shown in a couple of studies um, that whatever side you're using that processing for so if you're english if it's coming and it's coming through your right side your right eye will have a wider peripheral vision which can lead to what i always thought was considered overstimulation but it actually has a term to it and i should probably go look it up I'm not going to do that right now someone else look it up i'm not doing it where you start getting overstimulated with too much information is coming through that one side and you're having to constantly filter it out and the why they think this is a 
ongoing thing with dyslexia is because I did do a correlating study with people that are dyslexic that read Hebrew, and that goes through the left side for a dyslexic in Hebrew, and their left eye has the same peripheral vision variant. So basically, you have better peripheral vision, and you're getting too much stimulation, which also makes it why you get tired easier. I was going to say that. It's why you get tired easier, and isn't it also why sometimes you have a hard time focusing on the one line, and your eye might jump to the above line or the below line, which can yeah. make you feel like you're not reading that you're pulling words in the wrong sentences. That's I think that's where people start getting the that it's dancing or moving. Uh huh. So yeah, exactly the line yeah. issue. Hey Melons, you're getting a mild re-edit here. Read in the closet by herself, no Drew. But I couldn't help myself. I would be utterly remiss if I did not get this last strength, and this to me is honestly the most important strength: grit. Dyslexics are shown to have a better resilience. And honestly, that is not surprising to me at all. Every day you show up to school and every day you fail at things that everyone else is able to do. But yet we still show up and we still get it done and we're still here and we're still trying. Never tell me that I'd not try hard enough because I am trying every day. Okay, back to our regular episode. Okay, yeah, cool. Brains are fascinating. They affect so much. You know, they're... They are just a thing of goop that chills around, you know, sloshing between your ears all day. And yet, a mystery. Uh-huh. It's the biggest organ in your body, I think. Yeah, actually, I think it's your skin, if you want to get technical, is the largest organ in the human body, or I guess on the human body, since we're wearing it. We're wearing an outside organ. That's weird. So all of these abilities, and I'm going to probably range this to not just for people in the dyslexic community or a neurodiverse, but this is like for everybody. If you feed into people's abilities to do these things, if you feed into their weird quirks that make them different and not try to make people fit into a box, we're going to have people that are going to be extraordinary in their capability of, of creating and in, in their intelligence and problem solving. Exactly. And their ability to be a person. It's amazing that, you know, I feel like this is just like basic psychology is to like not squish the things that are trying to grow. Even if, even if there are weeds still in the garden, don't squish the plants that are growing that you want there. Just try to feed the good plants and slowly work on the weeds. And don't neglect the growing plants to focus on the weeds too much. Like you might think, yeah, they have that talent good. Yeah. They have that, that, that flower. I'm going to go focus on the weeds. But if you're not watering that flower, it's not going to grow as strong. If you're not watering that talent, it's not going to yeah. grow and become as strong and as valuable as yeah. it could and, and should. I'll leave you with this uh, tidbit. The actual strength of dyslexia, the one that can all be boiled down to, is a strength of mastery. So give us the ability to master ourselves. And we'll show you exactly what we can do. Perfectly said. Yeah. Another tidbit I'm going to throw in there is if you actually want to see how it's correlating to how we're processing and how that relates to the world around us, I'm going to send you over to that report done by Made by Dyslexia. The title of it is The Value of Dyslexia, Dyslexic Strengths, and the Changing World of Work. Made by Dyslexia is the advocacy group out of Australia. They partnered with Ernst & Young and used... A study from the World Economic Forum to create this report. So go look at it. It's out there. 
It's trying to get people to focus on the strengths of dyslexia and understanding how they can be properly implemented into a changing workforce. So, in conclusion, we believe that more than 3% of the population should think we're awesome. We understand that this comes from years of dyslexia being viewed as something to fix. What would happen if we changed the view? Albert Einstein, as we said earlier, our fellow dyslexic brother, peace Albert, is accredited with saying, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its whole life believing it's stupid. Now, we understand that Albert Einstein isn't saying that everybody is a genius, but what this quote is really reminding us is to not measure ourselves and measure other people against inappropriate standards. The next time you hear of dyslexia, we really want you to not think of, oh, that person can't spell. Oh, that person can't read. I want I want someone to hear the word dyslexic and think creative, empathetic, puzzle solver, a big picture thinker. I want this lens that people view dyslexia with to be a lens of strength and not a, a broken, cracked lens. Dyslexia is only a limitation if you have no imagination. So I'm going to say that's a really good thing that dyslexics are supposed to be creative people because we'll find a solution, man. We are problem solvers, if nothing else. We yeah. are problem solvers. We will solve it. All right, so I think we've reached the end of this podcast today. Thank you so very much for coming and joining us and learning more about our dyslexia. We really appreciate um, you listening. Yeah. As always, we are striving to build a community here and make less people feel like they're the only person out there like this because you're not. And I don't want to feel that way and I don't want anyone else to feel that way. You're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. So if you've liked what you heard, please leave a review and and follow us so that you can get new episodes and, and continue on this journey with us. And if you feel like you know anyone that we could help, please send them over to our podcast or the Instagram at melons.podcast on Instagram. As always, we would love to hear from our community of melons. You can write in with any experiences that you've had, any any weird or funny stories, and we even take suggestions for topics, just so you know. We'll see you next time, melons. Remember, be different, be kind.